Hello and welcome to a five-episode podcast series called Why Literacy. I'm your host, Rachel Gorley, and I hope that both you, the listener, as well as myself, can learn a little bit more about the stakes of teaching literacy to teenagers in 2018. So let me introduce myself. Like I said, my name is Rachel, and I'm currently teaching ninth grade English at West Philadelphia High School. No, I'm sorry, it's not where Will Smith went. I was just as disappointed as you. I'm also currently enrolled in a graduate program at the University of Pennsylvania. As part of my graduate program, I am enrolled in a class titled Content Methods for Secondary English and Language Arts. With only seven students in the class, it's become more of a roundtable on issues facing secondary teachers, specifically in an urban setting. We've discussed issues mostly surrounding giving agency and voice to our incredible students that we've grown to love and teach. For this podcast, I want to specifically focus on why literacy, and especially teaching literacy to inner-city high school kids, matters even more in 2018 than ever before. Across this series, I want to address different aspects of teaching literacy and give examples of how it has and hasn't worked in my own classroom. Together, we will cover topics such as code switching, social media, teaching empathy, and special education. To start, however, I want to talk about a pervasive issue called the school-to-prison pipeline. So what is the school-to-prison pipeline? According to Nikki Lisa Cole, an author at ThoughtCo Initiative, the school-to-prison pipeline is a process through which students are pushed out of schools and into prisons. In other words, it is a process of criminalizing youth that is carried out by disciplinary policies and practices within schools that puts students into contact with law enforcement. Once they are put into contact with law enforcement for disciplinary reasons, many of these teens are then pushed out of the educational environment and into the juvenile and criminal justice systems. Clearly, you can see why this is a major issue. So before we jump in and discuss some of the major effects of the school-to-prison pipeline and how literacy can be a part of that, let's look at some general facts and statistics surrounding the issue. According to current research, the most significant indicator of which children will be suspended is not the type of offense, but instead the color of their skin, their special education status, what school they go to, and whether they've been suspended before. For instance, black students are four times more likely to be suspended than their white peers. Once suspended or expelled, data shows that students are less likely to complete high school and more than twice as likely to be arrested while on forced leave from school, and even more likely to be in contact with the juvenile justice system during years that follow their leave. So the more we suspend and expel our students, the more we push them into the criminalization process. This pipeline is also being enforced and supported by the U.S. government. Currently, the U.S. spends almost $70 billion annually on incarceration, probation, and parole. This number lends itself to a 127% funding increase for incarceration between the years 1987 and 2007. If we compare that to the 21% increase in funding for higher education in that same 20-year span, it's clear where the U.S. government is putting their priorities. Let's look at some additional statistics that will help us better understand the issue. Sadly, over half of black young men who attend urban high schools do not earn a diploma. And of those dropouts, nearly 60% will go to prison at some point in their lives. Nearly 68% of all men in federal prison never earned a high school diploma. And current research shows us that 1.6 million students last year attended a school that employed a law enforcement officer, but no counselor. 
The sad truth is that many of these children come from impoverished communities and have experienced abuse or neglect. These children are most in need of trauma-informed practices and environments, including schools. Instead, they are targeted, punished, and pushed out. To fully address all the factors of this issue would take a much longer podcast. So today, I'm just going to focus on the role of teachers in literacy and how that could contribute or actually help diminish the problem of the school-to-prison pipeline. A major issue among urban educators is what we call deficit thinking. The idea that we focus more on what our students can't do than what they can do. We focus on how they disappoint us instead of how they surprise us. In an article by Garrett Albert, Albert Duncan, he stresses that the main point of urban public schools and the lives of students of color has been largely to prepare them to occupy and accept subordinate roles within the U.S. economy, and by extension, society. He further claims that urban pedagogies effectively serve as an economic function to channel young people of color in the U.S. into the prison system. The pedagogies in these schools emphasize control, rigidity, and conformity, subjecting students of color to mindless drills and exercises solely to prepare them to raise their standardized test scores. As a teacher in the school district of Philadelphia, I can completely see this as true. Teachers' pedagogies, or their philosophy of how they teach, often tries to take urban students and to put them in a box of control, where this uniform, stand in this line, sit in this seat quietly, and listen to what I have to teach you. The main goal is to bring up their test scores to make our school and our school district look better, and not to actually raise these students' ability to interpret the world around them. In an article by Marilyn Elias titled, The School to Prison Pipeline, Policies and Practices that Favor Incarceration Over Education Do Us All a Grave Injustice. She also focuses on the role that teachers play in the school to prison pipeline. She said that last month, and this was written in the spring of 2013, that the Senator Durbin of Illinois held the first ever federal hearing on the school to prison pipeline issue an important step towards ending policies that favor incarceration over education and disproportionately push minority students and students with disabilities out of schools and into jails. In the opening hearing, Senator Durbin told the subcommittee of the Senate Judiciary Committee, for many young people, our schools are increasingly a gateway to the criminal justice system. This phenomenon is a consequence of the culture of zero tolerance that is widespread in our schools and is depriving many children of their fundamental right to an education. So what is a culture of zero tolerance? A zero tolerance policy requires school officials to hand down specific, consistent, and harsh punishments, usually suspension or expulsion, when students break certain rules. The punishment applies regardless of the circumstances, the reasons for the behavior like self-defense, or the student's history of discipline problems. These issues often target specifically boys and students of color. Elias argues that instead of pushing children out, teachers need a lot more support and training for effective discipline, and schools need to use best practices for behavior modification to keep these kids in school where they belong. Elias pushes in her article that one of the most important immediate shifts that can be made to stop the school-to-prison pipeline is that teachers learn more effective measures to engage students and keep them in the classroom. Teaching engaging literacy and empowering students in their ability to understand and interpret the world around them will help them stay in the classroom and out of the pipeline. But what exactly is literacy? 
According to author Rebecca Seip, she argues in her book Adolescent Literacy at Risk that instead of referring to merely the ability to read and write, today we talk about literacies more. And literacies basically refer to the types of knowledge, skills, strategies, and habits a literate person needs to possess in order to be productive, successful, and fully engaged in the world around them. As a first-year teacher, I can say firsthand how important it is to have strong disciplinary practices. Way too many times, I've not known how to properly deal with my students' behaviors and have opted to send them out of the classroom, either to the principal, assistant principal, the counselor, a police officer, or just anywhere in the halls to be out of my classroom. I'm guilty of this, and I think that many other teachers are too. We're impatient, and we don't have the skills to learn how to help these students manage their behaviors, and instead we see them as a distraction to class, and so we kick them out. Many of my students have been suspended multiple times, especially my boys. My boys' students who are smart and passionate and funny, I often see as a nuisance to class when they like to distract what I'm trying to do. So I kick them out. I'm adding to the problem. When they get kicked out, they're more likely to be suspended and more likely to be in the prison-to-school pipeline system. If I could better reach those students, if I could better help manage their behaviors and help them learn how to self-regulate their own behaviors, If I could engage them and have them want to be in class because they like what they're learning and they see it as valuable, I'm much less likely to kick them out and they're much less likely to join this system. I'd like to share an example from one of my classes this year. One of my male students, I'm going to call him Bobby, was especially disruptive and disengaged in class. He often got kicked out not just by me but by other teachers and decided to roam the halls instead of stay in class and do his classwork. Bobby was often stressful to have in class, but one day he was especially more engaged. It was a lesson that I was teaching about African American English versus Standard American English. For those unfamiliar, it's essentially the idea that African American English, which is often referred to as Black English or Ebonics, is actually a standard, consistent, recognized language. It's a different version of English, which has its own system of rules, grammar, and vocabulary. It's not slang, it's not improper, it's not uneducated. The sad truth is that many students and people of color who speak African American English are often considered to be uneducated and possibly even violent. So in measures to help my students succeed, we talked about the different grammatical rules that separate African American English and standard American English, which these students would be expected to speak and know in college and in job interviews. When we talked about these rules, Students who never wanted to talk about grammar were suddenly excited. They liked seeing that the way they talked and understood the world was actually valued and represented and considered correct. What the way they spoke wasn't wrong, it was just a different way of speaking than the world expects of them. We had these conversations and gave examples and analyzed texts that had characters speak in AAE, African American English, and SAE, Standard American English. Bobby was especially engaged. He actually went the whole one hour and 30 minute period, which is a long time for any high school student to stay focused, the entire time in his seat, participating, hand raised, and taking notes. Bobby did not go to the principal's office that day. He didn't get kids out of class. He was engaged and interested how he can learn these literacies to help him better understand the world. If more of my lessons looked like that, if more of my lessons actually excited and engaged Bobby, that may play a huge difference 
and his likelihood to one day be imprisoned. As his teacher and someone who cares about his future, I need to work harder to include more lessons like this, more lessons that meet Bobby where he is and excites him and engages him in the practice of literacy. The issue of the school-to-prison pipeline is massive and includes many factors and many possible solutions. As a first-year teacher in West Philadelphia, I'm just trying to see what I personally can do to help my individual students. How can I be a better teacher, better engage them, teach them the literacy skills they need to succeed, and keep them in my classroom? How can I implement better discipline techniques that honor my students' intelligence and don't demean them or expect the least of them? If I can keep my students in the classroom and lessen their chance of suspension or expulsion, I can do a small part in trying to keep them from the school-to-prison pipeline. But this is hard work. It requires planning. It requires patience. It requires admitting that I don't know always what to do and need to ask for help. Many new teachers and veteran teachers don't want to admit they need these kind of services, but we do. And we're not being faithful teachers to our kids if we say we know how to do it and don't ask for help. So how does literacy play a role in the school-to-prison pipeline? Well, to put it simply, if we better engage and prepare our students to interpret and understand the world around them, maybe, just maybe, we can keep them in the class and keep them out of prison. Thanks for listening to Why Literacy, and stay tuned for my next podcast on how teaching code switching is a new literacy.